Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival and I am the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I am joined by our host today, Peter Englert, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, the New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought that you could. Today's guest is Jennifer Frary, a mental health counselor. And today we're talking about why, God, why should I care if I'm in a codependent relationship? So I'm really excited to have Jennifer here. Jennifer is a counselor um, and she's actually in a supervision group with my wife, Robin, who's also a counselor. So I've gotten a chance to get to know her. And I just think this word, I hear it. And I mean, I'll be completely honest with all. I don't know what it means. Like even the way people use like I'm codependent I and I kind of have an idea. So I'm looking forward to Jennifer kind of helping us because our last episode, which was with Carl Binger and talking about depression, it's a word that's used. But I think even when people use it, it's not the way it's supposed to be. But then when people really are codependent, I don't think they even know that they're codependent. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Peter. And I have this like peripheral understanding of what codependency is. I I actually came up with the question, uh, you know, uh, why should I care? And I think it's just born out of my own sense of like, I know a little bit about this, but I feel like I need to know a lot more about it. And so that's why I'm so glad that Jennifer is joining us today and she's bringing a wealth of expertise with her into this. And it's one of her passions. So Jennifer, welcome to the Why God Why podcast. And uh, maybe let's start off. We did this with Carl last week when we were talking about depression. I think maybe this would be an appropriate way to, to start off our conversation too. Can you define codependence for us? would you, what's our baseline that we're starting with here? Well, it's so great to be here with you guys today. Um, Defining codependency is really about defining a pattern that happens in relationships where one individual relies on another party for all of their emotional needs and for their self-esteem and where the other party enables that reliance. Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to get this now. Mm -hmm. So flesh that out a little bit for us, because what you just said is pretty significant stuff. So can you break that down a little bit? So one party, one individual, one individual relying on another person to meet their individual needs around emotions and self-esteem. Got you. And the other person is then an enabler who lets that pattern continue. Ah, so they almost, you have one person who almost is feeding off of that sense. So you have one person relying on the other person, the other person kind of feeds off of that. Right. So, and it creates this unhealthy cycle. And it's a pattern in a relationship. It's not an instance. It's not a single event. It's a pattern over time where in codependent relationships, we tend to have a dependent and an enabler. This can look really bold and and out there in some relationships where it's really obvious that codependence is occurring. And then there's times where it's much more subtle. Okay. So can you give us without names, because you're in the, (laughs) this is your business. Sure. uh, But can you give us some examples of how that's looked in either people you've worked with or people Mm -hmm. you've known, Mm -hmm. um, how that's looked practically? Well, to completely avoid any confidentiality concerns, I'll just tell sure. you about my own experience. Hey, that's even How better. How about that? That's great. Yeah. So we like legal. I just want to tell. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so a, a few years ago, I was in uh, a therapy session, my own therapy session where I was a client. And my therapist said, Jennifer, have you ever read the book Codependent No More? And I said, with this really nasty glare in my eye, what do you mean? Are you saying I'm codependent? Because I was so offended Mm. by the term because I see in context how unhealthy these patterns of behavior can be um, around self-esteem, around worth, around these types of relationship patterns. And I realized that it was playing out um, in some personal relationships where I was relying on other people to make me feel good about me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's a really subtle way that it can show up. Yeah. So, so what you're describing, I think when we use the word relationship, sometimes we almost think automatic, at least I do, I'll put myself, I'm not going to speak for everybody listening right now, but for me, I, I naturally think marriage relationships, mm-hmm. dating relationships, but sure. what you're describing kind of goes beyond that. Absolutely. Like it could be parents. It often shows up in family relationships between right. two parents, between parent-child, siblings, can show up in friendships, mm-hmm. even in work relationships. Right, right. Okay, so this is a way bigger deal than just, okay, you know, okay, I'm not in a relationship, so I can kind of yeah, not- Yeah, singles are this. not- you know, not touched by this. Right. Um, it can even be, um, you know, this term was originally coined for people who were in romantic relationships or in a ha- family relationship with someone who's addicted to alcohol or other drugs. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the stemming point for this word codependence. But over time, we've seen that children who grow up in any kind of dysfunction have a risk for developing codependency. So uh, I just... I'm listening to this definition. This might be on the line of like free therapy. So, <laughs> so I, I'm going to go there because hopefully it's going to help our, our guests. Sure. So, so like I have different categories of people in my life and I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to say, I love everybody. Um, and, and I do, um, there's just some people that I get along with better. You know, the most life giving people in my life are not the ones that cause of like there's certain people like I would put my wife in this I we fight and we you know we struggle but like there's this sense that she wants the best for me but if I was even to lean on the word codependent there's there's people in my life that that and again I don't know if this is codependent or if this is just people that we don't have chemistry so maybe just help me out but I feel like there's people that it's not even that I want their approval. It's almost like for a very functional sense, I need their approval. And those are the ones that like take up the most mental space in my mind that they're really difficult. And it's just, I tend to be 95% of my relationships are either benign or good, but to this 5% of, and, and again, it's just these people that how do I know that that's codependent versus like this person is just someone that you don't jive with? I think it's an internal desire for that person to make you feel good about you. I need their approval to be good. I need them to find me worthy for me to be worthy. 
you know, wanting to be liked, who doesn't want to be liked? But do I need that? Or do I have a sense of who I am outside of their approval? Mm. Yeah. I may or may not have been talking about John. No, I'm just kidding, John. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. Uh, just so you know, uh, John Amayo. We brought you in for a therapy, therapy session here. Well, because I, th- I think that that's huge. Because mm-hmm. when I hear codependency as like, oh, well, I'm a codependent person, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, you're really a people pleaser. Or no, you're really, like... And I could probably say there might have been one or two relationships. I I remember when I was in college, there was a figure who now I look back at and every time that they would walk and I didn't have a lot of interactions with this person. Every time they walked into the room, like I just felt this awe mm-hmm. and I was just like, I want to make this person proud. They weren't family. They were just someone from the college. And you know, later on when I ended up working for that college, this same figure, like it was almost, I'll never forget feeling I disappointed them one time and it literally like scared me. Mm. Like I, and I would say that's the closest to codependency. And again, not that this is all about Peter getting it, but I guess I'm trying to kind of figure this out because even looking in my life, what you're saying, like, and and the moment that I knew it it was weird the way I felt about this person was the moment I was like, you don't really need their approval. Like mm-hmm. that was that was like, you know, and I had made like a small error that they were just like and it like in the moment looking at it almost felt like manipulation on there. Like they knew I am in this leadership role. I'm going to make this person. I've heard this before. I'm going to make them feel it. And yeah. at that point, like. Just, it was like, this is weird. Yeah. And often people pleasing is a component of codependency, but it's about our patterns in relationships, not our, our instances or certain events. Mm. Can, so I love this and I'm, I'm going the therapy route here too. So this is great. Um, I'll bill you later. Great. Fantastic. Go ahead. Whatever you charge. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking, where does some of this you you mentioned before where does some of this emanate from? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the roots? Like, where do we go back? You you said there's there's studies that have been done on this. You know, it kind of started initially by looking at uh, people with substance abuse problems, right? Yes. Um, so, what does the research tell us where some of this originates? Obviously, we can't put a probably a label on everything, right? On Absolutely. Every situation, people or individuals realize that. But what are, what's some of the commonalities that might be there? Well, we're looking a lot at dysfunctional families of origin or childhood homes that you grew up in, whoever those folks were. Mm-hmm. Um, dysfunctional families often have three main rules. Don't talk, don't feel, and don't trust. And if you grow up in an environment where those patterns exist and those rules are spoken or unspoken, you come up with ways of managing life to survive in that system. And those patterns continue into adult behaviors. Mm, mm. So don't talk, don't trust. And don't don't feel. feel. Wow. Wow. So those three things really impact impact you. And if probably the more severe those rules are, the more more you're kind of, you can find yourself in a codependent kind of relationship. Yes. Well, hold on a second though. What if you come from a healthy, so I've heard this before, 
like the parents were healthy and the parents like did their, they weren't perfect, but like the child in some sense felt like I can never say that. And then all of a sudden, and maybe I'm thinking about this with my daughter, but like, I also, I know people that have gone through this, like their parents were of high character of high class. Like they were very real and open, but like for some reason kids can feel like, I can't say or feel because there's this picture like, can you still, I mean, how does codependency work itself out from there? And I'm guessing the majority of us have come from unhealthy background, but I guess I'm just trying to see the big link to that. Yeah. Well, I think most parents are doing the best they can with what they have. Right. And generationally, there's patterns that exist in how we raise our children. And we always want better for the next generation. But sometimes we don't have the tools to do that with. Um, I would say that my parents were fantastic and I grew up in a really wonderful household, but they sure weren't perfect. And some of the messages I got around how much they loved me and how valued I was to them set me up, I think, for never wanting to disappoint and wanting to maintain that love and that I- idea of being the perfect child mm. and then didn't want to disappoint the parents. So then develop some codependent patterns and com- some relationship challenges with my parents in order to maintain this. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful because most of the time it was. Let's not shake that. Let's not rock that boat. So we can come from any direction. But most of the research at the core of codependency is around those dysfunctional households. You got me all excited now. Let's, so <laughs> with your permission, please, um, let's, um, why don't we walk through just specific relationships and how you might be able to tell it's codependent? Because I think that's most mm-hmm. helpful. So let's start, let's start child and parent. What are some ways, let, let's say child to the parent. So the child is the one codependent on the parent. Mm-hmm. What are some telltale signs that you're codependent with your parent? Well, if I might um, shift the question a little bit, um, there are five common patterns mm. that show up in codependent relationships. You may shift And the so if I could yes. shift it to talk Ooh. about that, then we could pull out little little things from there. Wow. Yeah. Let's go. Are you let's ready go. for let's that? Go. Yeah, let's ready, go. Ready, ready? Okay. Okay. So again, I want to say that we're onto patterns here, right? Because we are not who our relationships are. Our identity is not there. Codependents often take their identity from their relationships, Mm. but these are patterns of behavior and relationships, not Mm. who we are, and certainly not whose we are, Mm. okay? So the first pattern of codependence is denial. Someone who's a denial codependent often denies what they're feeling or has a lot of trouble knowing what they're feeling, not being able to put a label on the feeling, and also tends to be in denial about any selfishness they experience in relationships. Mm. They might lack empathy. They mask their pain with anger, blame, sometimes humor or isolation. They're passive aggressive, and they tend to be attracted to others or in relationship with others, not necessarily a romantic relationship, but with someone who is not emotionally available. And so they're reaching out and wanting relationship with someone they know cannot meet their needs. Mm. Ooh. So there's your denial patterns. Then there's a low self-esteem pattern to codependence. So that was just denial. Just denial. Okay. There's so much in there. 
that 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 was like I was like, okay, that could be me. That could be me. Yeah. That's that's yeah. That's a lot in there. Denial. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. So it's about it's it's not denial in that like I don't do anything wrong necessarily. It's like denying your own needs. Yes. That's part of it. Yes. That's maybe even the bigger part. Denying that I have feelings, denying uh, that I, yeah. I have wants or needs, denying that um, others might be able to meet those needs for me gotcha. or that I would want anyone else to meet my needs. Well, OK, let's just skip beyond that because that's that obviously doesn't apply to me. So let's go <laughs> on to number two. All right. So then we got low <laughs> self-esteem patterns. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I think this is one of the big ones that we see when we're talking about codependent relationships. This is a more obvious format where I don't trust my own judgment and I don't feel like I can ask for my wants or needs to be met. I have trouble making decisions, right? A low self-esteem codependent probably does not accept praise very well, has a desire and a need to be seen as right in the eyes of others, and Mm. will do just about anything to avoid disagreement or difference from others. Mm. Right? Big struggle with boundaries here. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. And then, um, then we have a control codependent. Okay. This person uses others to get their needs met. Right? They're so this off- is the third one right this now. This is the third one. The control. Control. So the denial one. Self-esteem. Self-esteem. Control. Control. Now. Right? Okay. So a control it, code. Do you follow? Do you follow? Like, like I'm as you're talking. So yeah. thank you for helping me clarify. Because I'm uh, like Peter said in the beginning. We're trying to learn this this whole thing out as we're talking about it. So, so. Which makes for a great interview. It really does. Yeah. So we're probably all the people that are listening right now. They're like, these guys are really messed up. Anyway. (laughs) um, So so do you typically fall under one of these five categories or do you have multiple? I think, you know, no one fits into a specific category perfectly. Yeah. But we tend to if you were to um, look at these categories and and the ideas in them, which you can access um, through Codependence Anonymous, you can access these categories and sort of. You know, if you take a little like a a quiz in an old magazine, you know, which where do you have more A's fall or where do you have more B's fall where you tend to be in that pattern more than others. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there will be some that you're just, oh, no, that's not me at all. But that that person you're not at all is likely the person who's your pair in a codependent relationship. Oh, no, I'm I'm serious. So it takes two to tango here, folks. So we. We haven't even let you finish because we're so curious. So I'm just going to go on a limb here. I'm guessing that a controlling person pairs very well with a self-esteem person. Absolutely. Are your <laughs> Peter just mind dropped blown. his mic right there. He just dropped it. It was it was unbelievable. Are we allowed to say hold my beer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, okay. Yeah. This is this is super helpful. So okay, keep, go keep going. But all I of mean, a sudden, I'm caring. Uh, the, just to let you know, I'm, I'm caring whether I'm in a, a codependent relationship. He, right he now. Was, I'm so glad. He in was, the middle. He was denying before. He but was, we yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm caring. I'm right. caring right now. Uh, Oh, that's good. All right. So sorry. into this con- more in the control area, you a control codependent is often going to lavish gifts or use sex as a way to manipulate and get needs met. Okay, they may refuse to compromise or negotiate, and they often become resentful if they've given you a suggestion or advice and you refuse to use it. Mm. Okay? Control codependents seek out partners in relationships 
who they can rescue. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Fourth category of codependent patterns, compliance, right? Who also marry nicely with control folks, right? Because they will accept sex when what they want is love. Uh, right. Right. They are emotionally extremely loyal and tend to stay in relationships way beyond the point of health. Mm-hmm. Right? They may be afraid to express themselves and they tend to seek out others that they can care for and meet the needs. Mm. These are often very much people pleasers. Mm. Yeah. Right? And then the fifth category is the avoidant category. And these are individuals who will use their addictions as a way to distract from from real issues and a way to avoid real intimacy. Yeah. Okay. So I've heard you use the word sex a few times. Um, is that a way that you see this playing out in relationships often? Well, I think in our culture, we often are mistaking sex for intimacy. Gotcha. Where yeah, intimacy yeah. is really a, a term that talks about vulnerability and bonding in a way of really being real with another person. And in certain relationships, sex is a, a healthy way of expressing that intimacy. Mm. But there are plenty of relationships we have that become intimate that are not sexual. Mm. Got you. So, you know, <clears throat> just going off of his sex comment, then I want to come back to the original question because I think this will help us play out. Uh, so I meet with a number of couples that are living together before marriage. Yes. And, you know, there's a lot of psychological, there's a guy named Scott Stanley who works for the University of Denver, which is, I think his Twitter is like commit or not or something like that. And it just, it seems really interesting to me because, you know, sex does come up and it's this almost like, uh, I want it, but I don't really want to commit to it. And so when you're talking about codependency, like I kind of see this interplay, like I'll go through the motions, maybe on the compliance side or even yes. the self-esteem side. Well, the other person I was, and, and, I, and I say that I'm very careful because it's not, rarely do I meet people that are like full control, like I'm just doing this to be nasty. Sure. It's more like this works. Why, why break it? Absolutely, because we're, lo- we're looking to have our needs met mm. in all relationships, right? And in a codependent relationship, we're looking for another person to do the work of meeting our needs. Mm. And it's whatever way we've learned over time to cope and to survive in this world that if, if somebody is willing to comply, we can be in control. Mm. And it takes two. So a lot of it is based off of the way that we've learned works. Absolutely. Most of relationships is about learned behavior. Mm -hmm. And what's really beautiful about that is if I've learned one way and it's not working, I can learn a new way. Mm. So there's a lot of hope in codependency if we can identify it, know where our patterns are, uh, and then take appropriate steps thereafter. So the funny thing is 80% of our audience that's listening i think their minds are blown and i feel like my counselor wife and you and all the other counselors listening are like why can't you just get this anyways but so so let's let's just do like a quick round because i I think really applying this is going to be huge parent child relationship like 
how would you kind of explain a lot of the codependency you see between those two? Well, anytime that a child is responsible for taking care of a parent's emotional needs, that's codependence. Mm. Right. And that can show up in young kids when mom and dad are really struggling with their own stuff. Um, and it can go into adulthood as well, where the the child essentially is the parent emotionally mm. in the relationship. Mm. So let's uh, let's talk about a boss and employee codependency kind of both sides. How do you see this playing out? Well, from my personal experience, as uh, well as an Enneagram two, we'll mm. just put hey, that out there. Hey, I'm a two. Twos. We're prone. We're here. prone to codependency, folks. Right. May the record show that neither John or I brought up the Enneagram to Jennifer. Neither. So, yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll come the back record to that. has shown that. The transcripts will show that. Everything will prove that to be true. Yet. It's just three of us twos sitting around talking right now. So anyway. <laughs> and we'll figure out Dylan's number in a sec. But anyways, yeah. go ahead. I feel like Dylan should number himself. I feel like that's part of the thing with Enneagram. You well, know, yeah, that's stop the, being so codependent, right? Peter. Right? Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow. Right? I, when, I, when I say I know, we, I just threw that when I say we, So we I, just, I just pick a number? No. Yeah, just Do I roll anyway. a dice? Uh, yeah. How does this work? Uh, anyways, yeah. go ahead. So so as, a, as an Enneagram too, and a, a helper and a always wanting to... Uh, serve and and do what others need. I found I find myself when I worked for other places and other people wanting to overextend my responsibility, mm. learn every job that the the agency had so that I could do it and do it better than anybody else and be seen as the one who could take on anything. Mm. You could help. I could, and you know what? I got taken advantage of a lot. Mm-hmm. And that was a pattern I set myself up for. Mm. We'll come back to that. But um, how about best friends of the same gender? And I, I think it's good to say female and male. What could codependency look like? So so if, if John's my best friend as a male, what would codependency look like? And Jennifer, your best friend with a female, how are those differ and similar from what you've seen? Well, I... I think overall, it's figuring out, are we individuals in a friendship or are we sort of enmeshed with each other where we can't determine where one person starts and the other person ends? You know, is there a boundary here? Are we allowed to be two whole individuals in this friendship with some differences? Um, You know, do we have different political views, some different theology, uh, different sports teams? Can we be our individual people and still value our friendship? Mm. Mm. Right. The codependent yeah. in the rela- codependent relationship of friends, you can't disagree. Mm. How about um, so? How about a dating relationship? You know, we've kind of touched on that, but yeah, we'll go to marriage next. But dating, um, what does that look like? Well, I think that's really hard on the dating end because you're you're sort of in a phase of wanting to show your best. Uh, and so you might not be getting real, mm-hmm. it, you know, um, you may be struggling to um, have your own self-esteem needs met and all of the facade of dating, where we're going, who we're seeing, how we're dressed. Some of those things might show up, but me be misdiagnosed, so to speak. Um, as just part of the dating game. 
Whereas as the relationship gets more serious, more long term, the patterns might be more obvious. But so, no, that's great, I, I guess. And maybe this is the way I went to Christian college, too. So um, Christian colleges are weird dating places. Weird. Anyways, <laughs> we were very real here. Love Valley Forge. But, you know, just it, it's not the leadership's fault. But anyways, um, students fault. Are they are they sponsoring our podcast right now? I don't know. Is Cedarville? Oh, I don't know. I, they, they could be. I don't know. They, they could we, be. We went on some like anti alumni list, even though we said we love them. <laughs> but, and same with Houghton. But Houghton loves, you know, my wife graduated from Houghton. So and I love Valley Forge. But sometimes I feel like even in dating, when when a person goes from like having an awesome group of friends to all of a sudden non-existent is that codependent or is that not like all of a sudden like you know and and we saw this all and maybe that's more college but i think i see that i mean is that codependent or what uh, it certainly could be okay right if if all of a sudden my whole identity is fixed up in the person i'm dating mm. then that certainly screams hey this might be codependency mm. um because we should be two individuals mm. in a relationship and individuals typically have a support system and friends in a group um, that you end up bringing together. Mm. So how about marriage now? Well, marriage is tricky. I don't know if either of you have realized this. It's complicated. My marriage is easy. I don't know. What, yeah. what well, I don't 20 years under the belt. It's, piece of cake now six, used to be tough but now it's fine six years of marriage ask me any question you want no <laughs> <laughs> well i've been at it for 12 and a half and i still don't have all the answers um and i think you know there's always seasons in a marriage and in healthy marriages there are periods of time where one partner is picking up more of the emotional needs of the family and sometimes that shifts um but in marriage where there's codependence, one person is consistently re relying on the other partner to meet all of their emotional and self-esteem needs, making them feel loved, worthy, valuable, and the other person is enabling those things. It's not a back and forth shift in interdependence. It's a codependence. Wow, yeah. that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting thinking. Sorry, so, I just got lost in actually pondering what you're saying mm -hmm. right there so uh, you know we're about to we're actually going to interview an enneagram expert um cool yeah so are you interviewing yourself <laughs> we haven't even talked about that on the podcast so oh. i do do enneagram workshops but we're interviewing a wonderful woman by the name of marilyn vansel who i think is just she wrote a great book on it i she's way farther than me but let me ask you this, as you've studied the Enneagram, and I know some people are like, blah, 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 and other people are like, tell me more. What have you discovered about um, codependency and just with types? And you kind of mentioned it for twos, but mm -hmm. I think even, you know, as some types come to your head, what do you see? Uh, well, I've been pretty selfish in my Enneagram study and really focused more on myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so really, you know, what I feel called to as a two is centering prayer mm. and really trying uh, to keep my focus on on God, on Christ, and who I am in that relationship to help sort of prevent codependency in other areas, in other relationships. Mm. Yeah, that's so important, isn't it? You have to have that relationship down in order to have freedom in other relationships. A hundred percent. I've heard the term interdependence used 
Yeah. Is that is that a true aim? Is that what we're truly aiming for? Or is that just kind of kind of a way to get around the the codependency topic? I I've I've heard them I've heard it kind of talked about a little bit. Can you Yeah. I sort of that? see it as a healthier way of managing relationships where okay. we we're both bringing something to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, we're complimenting each other. We're supplementing certain areas with our strengths and our skills and our talents um, and relying on one another in ways that are actually appropriate to rely on another person. Right. My worth, my self-esteem is not appropriate to put on somebody else's plate. Mm. And that's where it becomes codependent. Yeah. 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 When you start to, to base your own value on the other person's opinion of you. Yes. When my value is so tied into whether it's my wife or my kids or my coworkers or whatever it is that, that what they say about me becomes truth about me. Right. Rather than my identity is, is secure. Correct. I am. And yeah. So, yeah, I, I heard someone say at one time that, that the only person that doesn't really care about what other people think is a sociopath. <laughs> is that is that true? I, I mean, mean like, I don't know cause, if that's cause, diagnostic. Cause, yeah, I don't know. But but I'm uh, yeah, I don't think it was a clinician that said that. Yeah. But I, I, I heard it mentioned before. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's did important. You open, did you open that in a fortune cookie? Yeah, it... I did. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it was a fortune cookie. Shh, you're not supposed to give away my secrets. <laughs> anyway, um, but but I think there there is a sense in which all of us can identify at some level with wanting other people to think that. Absolutely. Or something. Absolutely. We're yeah. we're all hopefully in some some healthy relationships with people whose opinion of us matters because they right. know who we are. Mm-hmm. They know what our core values are, and we've been vulnerable with them and entrusted them with some accountability for those things. And I think that's valuable to have people that, if they said, you know, that wasn't cool, yeah. you might want to rethink that. You might want to go to God with that. That you would say, wow, thank you. Mm-hmm. For that, um, I will do that. I appreciate you highlighting that that for me. That's not part of codependence, right? That's right. part of healthy relationship. Yeah, and you know, John, even to go and again, tell me if I'm wrong, Jennifer. But you know, probably you know, as I think of those five, um, I'm probably somewhere in unhealthy relationships between compliance and self esteem. Like those would be. The ones, and you know, it's interesting to me that actually the moments that I get angry and respond well to that anger, and it's it's not a when I say anger, it's like why is someone asking me to do that? Like, why do I feel this? Like, mm-hmm. but I literally feel angry, and the moment that I say, you know, in in a kind, tactful way, you know, I just can't do that right now, or like, because so, again all of us identify as Enneagram twos. I'm sure an Enneagram eight who's in challenger might lean a little bit more towards control. And that's a whole nother story. And this is why I think all of us in this, but like know your type as in any personality to know any self-awareness. But I find that even getting for me to get angry at something, but then the, the healthy response is to know, Hey, I'm not going to do that because I kind of know where it goes and I'm a, differentiate is that kind of where health's going i don't know i'm just on the fly i mean what do you think about what i just said so free counseling you know 
Well, I think that it's so important to know ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And if we can get to a place where we have our identity sort of kind of figured out, hopefully we're continually growing and learning over time, then we can have some insight into what our patterns are occurring in certain relationships Mm -hmm. and then learn how to do better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. This is such a rich conversation. This is so meaningful. And I think you've enlightened me in a lot of ways. And and I think this is just bringing out things for my own self to go, huh, I wonder if that might be more true of me than I'm willing to admit. You know, I think for me, Peter was saying, you know, him, the self-esteem and the compliance, compliance one, right? I think for me, it's probably similar self-esteem, probably denial a little bit, I mm-hmm. think. And both of those two, for me, kind of resonate. And I think to be able to sit in that for a little bit and go, how, if that is true, how would that be affecting me right now? How could that be affecting my relationships more? So let's say, let's see, there's people who are listening right now who are like, okay, they're experiencing the same thing. They're like, man, maybe this is true in my relationship. Like, can you can you offer them any hope? Can you offer them, hey, here's the way forward if you're experiencing this right now. You're kind of realizing, oh my goodness, maybe this is true. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I think first and foremost, uh, repeat again, this is learned. And so mm-hmm. there's always hope of learning a new way. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to drop old patterns and never pick them back up, um, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are many resources available for growing in our own identity and our own worth and self-esteem and in healthy relationships. Yeah. Man, this, so Carl's conversation on depression, I felt like that just went like that. This conversation on codependency, which John and I, yeah. obviously we showed that we were novices <laughs> at this. So, you know, we close every conversation um, by asking what would Jesus do? you know, say to this question. And, um, it's interesting. I, I feel like we haven't mentioned Jesus a lot, but there's a lot of things here. So the way we usually do it is this, John and I are going to start and then you're going to back clean up. So anything that we mess up, you're going to just take care of. So John, is it you or me or I'll go. That, that, that's fine. We'll we'll come up with something here. I, I'm, you don't you don't have to be compliant. Yeah, I no, just yeah, you know. no. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Neither do you. Neither one of us do. We can just both be. But How's someone that? should yeah. start. Yeah, someone should start. <laughs> Thank you. See, that's why it's helpful to have a therapist here with us. Oh man, this is so good. Um, I think so. As I think about this concept and leaning into it a little bit more, I think of the the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman who, if, if you read this story in John 4, it, it's that she is so wrapped up in her identity in places that are outside of her. It's, it's her relationships with people that has really defined who she is. And Jesus, and she wants to distract Jesus from the main topic, but he comes back to, no, you really need to know who I am. And Jesus says, I'll give you water that you know nothing about. And she's like, well, tell me where this is because that's going to totally transform my life. And he said, no, no, it's me. And um, I think that what Jesus really wants to get us to, the point that he wants us to get to is the point where we realize those, finding our, our satisfaction, 
our validity, our identity in other people is never going to truly satisfy. It's not, no relationship on this earth can do it, but, but Jesus is inviting us into a relationship that actually can transform who we are because of how solid that foundation is when we're in a relationship with him. So that's what he's inviting us into. Um, that's how I think about how Jesus would talk about this topic. So I'm actually going to borrow from Nijay Gupta, one of our former guests. Um, I heard him talk about Philippians 2, and I just want to read it to everybody. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. So if you read that verse on the surface, that feels like it's almost promoting codependency. But actually, you know, you look at the verses before, it talks about being united in Jesus. So your identity comes from him. It's about being like-minded. So as Jennifer said, having the same values, but even that verse, the assumption is that the whole community is looking for the interests of other people. It's not, you just do this while everybody can make you a doormat. And so the funny thing about Christianity and this conversation of codependency is it's saying be united in who Jesus made you to be. And in doing so, you'll care more about other people than yourself because you're in a community that everybody's doing that in a healthy way like Jesus did. So, you know, it's funny. We haven't mentioned Jesus or Christianity a ton, but there's so much wrapped into this that Jesus is neither calling you to be a doormat or a dictator, but he's calling you to live in community with other people, to have healthy relationships, that to get to the point of when I'm really healthy, I'm asking this, what does that other person need for me that I can provide? And so I, I just think that this conversation has illuminated a ton. Jennifer, go ahead. Well, I have a couple of thoughts. And one would be, I completely agree, Jesus would be inviting us into community to learn about healthy relationships mm. and who we are in him. And um, so anybody who's listening today that hasn't already listened to your um, episode with Paul Rankin, speaking about Celebrate Recovery and, and the enormous uh, power of that community and those relationships, I think that would be such an important step uh, in healing from codependency in the way that Jesus would call us to. I also remember Jesus giving the two greatest commandments, which I would paraphrase to love God the most and then love one another as you love yourself, right? And in order to do that, we have to love ourselves. We have to love ourselves well in order to love others well. And that means knowing who we are and having those needs met from someone outside of another human being, John, like you were speaking to. Scripture's full of references to whose we are and God telling us who we are in him. And that's where our needs can be met. And then we can be heirs to the kingdom and be the beloved children of God that we're called to be. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the Why God Why podcast. This um, is a very um, 
I think this is going to be a very enlightening, educational, and even empowering episode for so many people. If you are looking for the Why God Why podcast to follow us, go to whygodwhypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And remember, folks, sharing is caring. Leave a review uh, for us. And also, you can listen to this on any podcasting app, including Stitcher. And then we'd love for you to leave a five-star review on Apple iTunes. We thank you so much for participating. We hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.